Thanks for tuning in to the audio edition of our Sunday sermons. For more information about Cornerstone, visit cornerstonerome.com. So let me read this scripture and I'll share with you what we're going to talk about today. Exodus 20 and verse 8, the scriptures say to remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. And on that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your kids. (laughs) I love how God put that in there, right? So your kids, your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants. In our culture, it might be employees. Um, That means, so you're not going to work. Your kids are not going to work. Don't make your employees work. Your livestock, don't send your cattle out or your your ox to dig ditches or whatever. And also any foreigners or immigrants living among you. Don't take advantage of people who have just come in. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he what? He rested. That is why the Lord, not man. Everybody see that? Who blessed this day? The Lord. It was not man. He blessed the Sabbath day and he set it apart as holy. Now, you're here on Sunday. You may think, well, this is Sabbath day. I'm in good, I'm in good graces or whatever and all that kind of thing. This is not a message about whether or not you are observing a certain day. This is more about a principle, okay? So I titled this message, A Pathway to Pause. You all know what the pause button is. You hit it on the, we used to hit it on VCR back in the 80s, right? You just pause. Now you hit it pause through digital media, whatever. But it means to stop something for just a moment. We're going to stop. It's kind of what we're going to do today, okay? We're going to pause for a moment and just think about some things that God says. And this obviously is the fourth commandment, okay? We're doing a series on the Ten Commandments, and we're calling it finding freedom in the Ten Commandments, not legalism. This is not a legalistic message today. So what I'd like to do right now is I want to get our hearts and our attention on, on what God is wanting to say to you individually, not, not me. What is he wanting to say to you as an individual? So I want us to pray, and, uh, and then we're going to start digging this a little deeper. So God, we come to you in Jesus' name. We thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you that, God, that today I pray that the heart hears today not legalism, but they hear life. I pray today that the words that are communicated would be your words, not my words. I pray that, Lord, you would help each one of us to hear your spirit today. God, what is it you're trying to say to us through your fourth commandment? And I just ask you to speak today clearly to hearts. Lord, let eyes be open. Let ears be attentive. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen. So out of all the Ten Commandments, would you believe this is the one? This is the one. That anytime I've ever preached on this. So now don't do it now because I'm about to say this. But of all the ones I've ever preached, I've ever referenced this, this is the one that has got me in more trouble than anything else. I mean, you could preach about no adultery, and everybody's like, yes, amen, brother, brother, amen. You know, we shouldn't murder people. That's right. Praise the Lord, we ought not murder people. Yeah. You know, it's kind of, we shouldn't steal things. That's right. I like my stuff. Don't people steal them from me. That's right. Amen. You know, don't take the Lord's name in vain. We know that. Yes, God bless we're Americans. We don't take the Lord's, you know, all this stuff. We can say all these things and we can preach and give you the word. But you say one word about taking a rest. And people start thinking, ah, it's just legalism. And I think, it's, what is legalistic about taking a break? Think about that for a moment. What is wrong with you taking a break? What's wrong with that? There's not, I can't find anything. Matter of fact, um, when I was younger, when I was a teenager, I loved taking breaks. I mean, 
Brakes were awesome. I don't know what happens when you get to be an adult almost. You just think, well, I've got all this responsibility and it's true. But we think we are in control, so therefore we must work ourselves to exhaustion in order to be whatever it is we want to be, and we take God out from the equation. God says, I have given you a day of rest. Now, again, the word commandment is simply this. It's the word prescription. The Ten Commandments, we do not keep them to be saved. All right? Hear me very clearly today. The Ten Commandments were not given so that you could be saved by that. We know that. Let me just say this. There is not one biblical teaching that you can go to and get saved from the biblical teaching. If we want to be clear about it, the only way you get saved is through the blood of Jesus Christ, is the acceptance of Jesus as Lord, that's the only way you get saved. I don't care how much you read the Old Testament, how much you study the New Testament, how many George Meyer Bible studies you've done. I don't care. It don't matter who you like or what you've studied. I promise you, if Jesus is not Lord, it does not matter. It is all legalism and law if you study it without Jesus. Jesus has to be at the center of it all. And so the Ten Commandments were not given to be saved. But watch this. The Ten Commandments, if you think about it, were not given to the people of Israel to, to find their freedom. God pulled them out from Egypt miraculously by a strong and mighty hand of deliverance, just like he did with you in Jesus Christ. He pulled them out of Egypt, and he sent them over into a place called the Promised Land, although they were very rebellious and didn't inherit it for 40 years. But in the midst of all that, he gave them the Ten Commandments to what? Understand how to relate to this person who just set them free and how to relate to the friends and people around them who love them and care for them. That was the purpose of the Ten Commandments. Not for salvation, but I would, I would submit this to you and I would say that you would agree. Out of all the, the other nine, don't murder, don't steal, don't lie, you know, all the different ones you can turn. Wouldn't you say that all of them, if you, if you go against them, wouldn't you say there's some negative consequences that would take place? I mean, in our culture today, everyone agrees on the fact that you shouldn't murder people. No one disagrees, religious or non-religious, it doesn't matter. Most people would agree with you, you shouldn't steal. Some people say, well, if they really needed it. Well, um, you know, it, that's a real fine line there, you know what I'm saying? But nonetheless, most people would not appreciate you stealing their car. Right? All right? We all can agree on that. Uh, most people would agree, don't mess around with my spouse, right? I mean, most people would agree with that. Most people don't like that. Whether they're married or not married, they say, hey, like, what's mine? Leave it alone, right? Why is this one? the only one in the group that we think, and just say it, is acceptable to ignore. Think about why. If all the other nine are so important, and we all would agree as Christians they're important, why do we think the nine is just, eh, it's up for grabs? It's a roll of the dice. Yeah, God didn't really mean it like that, you know. It's just kind of, why, why do we feel that way? And I will tell you, it's because I think part of it is we live in an American culture that is designed with an American dream that says you can be anything you want to be, do anything you want to do, and the only way you can do that is by working yourself to death. And I submit to you, as a person who almost did that, that's not healthy. And it's not biblical. So I want to hear. I want you to hear a couple of things that Jesus said as we get into this deeper, okay? Mark 2, and verse 27, Jesus said this. Jesus said this. Everybody say, Jesus said this, not Jody. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of who? 
people. Not people. People were not made to meet the needs of the Sabbath. That's Jesus that said that. God said you have a need in your heart, in your life, physically, mentally, and emotionally that is met by the Sabbath. Now, America will tell you, no, bless God, do it every day. We're going to run, whatever. And I'm not going to be legalistic about this. I'm just saying you can run out of fuel in the tank, and it will take a while before you do. You'll think you're getting away with it until you hit a wall, and you don't know what happened. You'll say, oh, no, no, I got this, I got this, I can do this, I can do that. And you're fine for a long time. Matter of fact, you can go years and not hit a wall. But I promise you, you ignore this long enough, I promise you, listen from a guy who knows from experience, you will hit a wall. And when you do, it hurts. It hurts bad. So, again, we don't keep the Ten Commandments to be saved, but I promise you this, if you don't keep them, what happens? There are negative consequences. My, My youngest kid... We, they all decided they wanted some ice cream. I came back in town, and they wanted ice cream. And so the request for ice cream was cotton candy Pop Rocks ice cream. I'm not a fan. It, I did try it. It does taste just like cotton candy, though. It's pretty amazing. I thought, wow, it's amazing. I thought, hey, you want to try it? She goes, no, I hate cotton candy. I said, but it tastes just like it. She said, but I hate cotton candy. I said, but this tastes just like it. She said, cotton candy tastes awful to me. It tastes like you got some kind of fibers in your mouth. It's disgusting. The kids, though, they, they thought it was amazing. The oldest one, she ate her dinner, so she got some. The middle one, you know, she, it was her idea anyway. So she, she ate her dinner, so she got cotton candy ice cream, and it's got Pop Rocks. It's... I mean, they were sitting there going, listen to this, Daddy. You know. The youngest one, though, the youngest one, she decides that she's going to put up a stand. She's not eating her dinner. And she's four, by the way. She's not going to eat her dinner. And she says to both of us, no. Now, I don't know how you react as a parent, but there's a part of me who wanted to be like, oh, no, bless the Lord. You're going to eat this. I'm going to feed it to you. You're going to eat it just because you said no. But I realized that doesn't work with my kids. I don't know if you have strong-willed kids, but I grew up as a strong-willed child, and, and praise the Lord, I got three of them. So anyway, it's a joy. It's a wonder. It's just a wonder anyway. So the little one, she decides, no, I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to eat my dinner. And it's, listen, it's not bad dinner. It's not like broccoli and Brussels sprouts and all that stuff. She, Haley made a cheese meal. It's like a tomato pie, but she didn't even have to eat the, she took tomatoes out. It's just the cheese. It's cheddar cheese is it. And she said, no. I said, you're going to eat it? She goes, no, I'm not. Oh, man, like I was going like, bombs are going off in my head like, so my thought was, okay, I could either react or, oh, wait a minute. Well, guess what you don't get then? You don't get cotton candy Pop Rock ice cream. She goes, yes, I do. <laughs> and I said, no, you don't. I said, you're going to sit right there. If you don't eat, the, and I cut up in five bites. I said, five bites is all it takes. Five. You eat those five bites, you get the ice cream. If you don't, no ice cream for you. She looks, she goes, like, I mean, attitude central, four-year-old. Long story short, she didn't eat the food. So therefore, I said, you don't get ice cream. She looked at me as if, like, I was crazy. 
she, is it really that big a deal that she didn't eat her dinner? Ah, not right now. She misses one here or there, not a big deal. But we're trying to show her you can't live off of Pop Rock's ice cream. You got to have some real food. As a child, she doesn't understand that right now. So what we're doing is teaching her that so as she gets older, she understands you can't live off ice cream. We all know that as adults, we'd like to. But as you get older, you got to cut back on the ice cream. It just That's just reality. People told me, and once you hit 40, you'll see. Ah, oh, no, not me. Well, look, a half a gallon, two half gallons a week. Had to cut that back real quick. The reality is the blessing was she wanted this. The consequences for not listening to her daddy were not majorly, it's not a big, big negative, negative deal, but the fact is you didn't get what it is that you really wanted. And God is no different. He's a good daddy and he wants to give you good things, but ignoring something as serious as this can cost you in the long run. It might not in the short end. But in the long run, this can cost you. So I wrote a couple of things down. And I really, again, I'm going to read a lot of scripture to you. But I I could give you numerous examples and many things we could talk about when it comes to the Sabbath. But I can't. I just don't have time to give you as much as I'd like to. So I try to break down some of the most important things that I thought from studying this that would be beneficial to you. Okay? So a couple of things. First of all is, number one, what does the Sabbath do? It helps you to learn to trust in His provision. His provision. And before you think Sunday is the Sabbath, you'd have to go back and study Jewish culture and history. Actually, Saturday's the Sabbath. So technically, if you want to get real legalistic on it, none of us keep it. So that's what we're not doing. This is not a legalistic message. This is principled, okay? So listen to what Jesus said. Matthew 6, 21, wherever your treasure is there, the desires of your heart will also be. We all have deadlines, emails, budgets, and things. We all work for what? Money. And if money is your driving force, it will also drive you to work to exhaustion. The demands of the day, the demands of your job, the demands of whatever you do, it will pull you into a cycle that says you can't stop. And that's not true. You can stop if we trust God for the provision. Listen to what he told him in Exodus. Exodus 16, verse 23. The Lord commanded this. Tomorrow will be a day of complete rest, a holy Sabbath set apart for the Lord. So bake or boil as much as you want today and set aside what is left for tomorrow. They were baking and cooking manna. So just as Moses had commanded you this, and in the morning the leftover food was wholesome and good without maggots or odor. You remember what happened before when they tried to go out and get more than they needed. Think about that for a minute. When they tried to go out and get more than they needed, it spoiled. Is it possible that you could work yourself so much to attain certain things, but you're losing it anyway because it's spoiling in the process? What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but yet he loses his own soul? What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his family? Think about all these things that are in the midst of our world around us in your, in your, your, your sphere of influence. Does attaining all of this, can it affect other things? It can if it exceeds our areas of need. Doesn't mean that God won't give you the desires of your heart, but there comes a point in life where you say, man, enough's enough, you know. So he says to them, eat this food today, verse 25, for today is a Sabbath day dedicated to the Lord. There will be no food on the ground today. You may gather the food for six days, but the seventh day is the Sabbath. There will be no food on the ground that day. Is it possible that we work too much? 
And on their, so whatever your seventh day is, is it possible when you go out to work, you think you're gathering, but there's nothing really there? I know it's contemplative thinking. I understand that. This is not, I know, our culture would balk at this. But we as Christians, we'll celebrate Chick-fil-A, won't we? Any more chicken? They're closed on Sunday. That's awesome. But you tell a Christian not to work on a day a week. Well, I just can't do that. I'm just too busy. That's hypocritical. To celebrate a billion-dollar industry that's done it based on the Sabbath being a principle since its inception, I guess. Well, really, after Tritt hit a wall of working too much, he decided a day needed to be off. So he shut the thing down. And since then, that thing makes more money per percentage basis than any other fast food restaurant and does not stay open 24-7 a day. And it's all based upon what? Is it really their chicken? I mean, it ain't that. It's good, but let's just be honest. It ain't the best I've ever had. It's good. For fast food, it's good. Could it be that maybe their creativity, because of taking a day off for all their employees, caused them to be able to do more? God could bless more in six days than they could do in seven. Is it possible? Just think about it for a moment. So, some of the people, though, they went out anyway on the seventh day, but they found no food. The Lord said to Moses, verse 20, How long will these people refuse to obey my commands and in in my instructions? They must realize that the Sabbath is the what? Lord's, everybody say it out loud. Gift. Everybody say it one more time. Gift. To you. It's a gift. I did not know this for years. I thought the Sabbath was just some religious thing you did because it made you be a better Christian. I didn't understand it. I just thought culturally, I mean, if you live in Rome, Georgia, what do you do on Sunday? Most people say, I'll go to church. That's just a thing you do, right? So everybody says that's the Sabbath day. I just thought that's what it was. Did not realize It is a gift to you that God was giving me a gift. So as I was reading this, I was thinking about how many times have I refused to accept a gift from God? How many times has God wanted to give me a gift? Maybe he wanted to give you a gift. And we just said, no, thank you. I'll go on out and work anyway and not find anything. And then you come home frustrated because you didn't find anything. But the Lord is saying to you, hey, listen, I can do more in six if you'll give me six than you can do in seven on your own. Just think about that for a moment. Another verse of Scripture, Jesus said this, John chapter 6 and verse 26. told you I'm reading you a lot of Scripture today. I want you to think about these, these words. Jesus said, I tell you the truth that you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about the perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. And then they replied. Listen to what he said. They said next, we want to perform God's works too. He's sitting there talking about seeking eternal life. What did they say? We want to get busy on something. And then he says, they say, what should we do? And Jesus said to them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one who he has sent. <laughs> they said, Show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? I mean, they're just like average Americans. They're like, man, we got to do something. We got to work something. We got to make it happen. What We want to do like you. Be like you. What do we got to do? That's what they said. And then they said, after all, listen very carefully. 
After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus interrupted and said, I'll tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread. My father did. Is it possible that we think somebody else has given us bread? And it's not really them, it's our Father. We might have forgotten who's the one that causes the rain to fall. I don't know about you guys, but I loved the rain last night. Oh, my mercy, it's like a, one of those sleep machine things you hear. I was like, oh, this is amazing. I dozed off. I was out for about three or four hours, and all of a sudden I feel some little four-year-old hit me in the side going, Daddy, Daddy, my sleep machine's gone. What are you doing? Why are you not sleeping through all this, you know? I can't sleep. I can't sleep. So, you know, if you got little kids, what do you do? You throw them in the bed with you because you're too tired to get up and do anything else, right? So the whole night, her fanny is in my head, like, bopping me. I wake up this morning, man, butt cheeks right here. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Who sleeps like this? I mean, good gracious. Four-year-olds, man. The question is, Is it possible we don't get enough rest? Is it possible we don't take breaks because we are fooled by who is providing for us what we have need of? Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. Can you imagine hearing that statement when he said that? Um, Excuse me, your theology is wrong. Moses didn't give you bread. My daddy gave you bread. Jesus said, pray this prayer. Give us this day, Father, our daily bread. Come on, somebody. Now, that's, that's worth coming for. Just if you only get that today to realize this, that your source is not your job. It's not the people around you. It's not this, the government or anything else. Your daddy is the one that's making provision for you. You might have a job and thank God for it, but your job might just be your Moses. It's not God. You understand it might have got you where you needed to go, but it's not your, it's not your source. Your daddy is your source. And he says, and now he offers you this true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives his life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Let me just say this to you like this. I grew up understanding about tithing because my uncle told me when I first got my first job, you need a tithe. I I didn't mean I did it every time. He's in here, so I kind of missed a couple years there, just so you know. But I'm just saying... When I, when I submitted my life to Jesus, when I turned 20, that just, for some reason, that stuck in my head. I, I didn't need a preacher, didn't need a Bible study, whatever. I'm just, just so you hear, I, from that day forward, man, it's just been a part of what we do, right? That's never been an issue. Taking a day off is an issue. The money is not that big a deal. Yeah, it's, it's a sacrifice here and there. You, you know, you kind of, but the day off thing? Because, man, I work hard. And I know, maybe some of you are not top A personalities. You're not a go hard-working kind of guy. Maybe you take four days off a week. Good for you. Praise the Lord. You might need to get busy and do something else. Just saying. <laughs> the Lord did say six days you ought to work. He didn't say two or three. You know, unless you've got a really cool job, that's cool. Then do it. You know, whatever. But you have things you have to deal with either way, right? That was tough. And I felt like the Lord told me one day, are you going to trust me with this, with your time, in the same way you would trust me with the tithe. And I had to answer no. Because I didn't. What are you going to do? Lie to God? 
That's one of the other Ten Commandments. He could break that one too, right? No, he knows. He, why lie to God? Why act like you don't? No, I just straight up said, I, how? I mean, it, what happened was, in my life, and I'll lead this on to the, the next point I want to share with you, is this. The Sabbath helps you develop a healthy pace. Healthy pace. In my life, I believe in working hard. I work hard. Got it honestly, okay? If you wrote my granddaddy, listen, man, you didn't get a sleep in on Saturday. I don't know about y'all, but if you've ever been around a granddaddy, I mean, they don't play around. If the sun's up, there's something to do. That's the way. It didn't matter if it was productive or not. Rudy felt like if the sun's up, we're going to work. So we're going to fix a fence. We're going to cut the grass, mow something, dig up something, plant up something. It didn't matter what it was. We're going to have to put our hands to the plow. We're going to work. And so Saturdays, we're not sleeping in. I mean, every now and then I got a little bit. But, but I learned how to work hard for my granddaddy. And I thank God for it. Worked hard. Hardworking man. When I lived with my uncle for a while, you know what he taught me? He worked hard too, but he taught me this. He said, you need to work smart. Not just hard. Oh. Both of those men, though, let me tell you something. My granddaddy, most of the time, did not work on Sunday. Very rarely did he work on Sunday. I don't remember many times. Had to have been a real issue if he did. My uncle, I don't remember him working on Sunday. Every now and then, but most of the time, Sundays were off limits. Both of them men established a principle there. All that was fine until I started pastoring the church. Because on Sundays, guess what? It's not. It's not an off day. Sundays was on. And so being a hardworking guy that I was, I, I was leading a church in 2008. I was working hard with my hands. I felt like I had to lead. I had staff, employees, and, and the recession hit. I had all this responsibility. Everything was coming at me. And so I had all this to do. And so guess what? When it came time to study for preaching, I did that after hours. Thought I was doing everybody a great fa- you know, service, right? We had a great guy. I'm going to lead the staff, do this kind of thing, whatever. Then I'm going to study in after hours, study on the weekends kind of thing. And that was going to be the way we're great for about four years. But I'm telling you something. You work seven days a week and don't give any break. You will hit a wall. 2012, uh, Gateway Church out in Dallas, or, or our oversight church, and our pastor's out there. And so uh, one of my overseers that, at that time, he said, you and Haley need a break. And I was like, wow, what do you mean? What do you need a break? I didn't even see it. It was that bad. Which, Listen to me. You can be working yourself to exhaustion and not even know it. But other people around you will let you know. They will say things to you like, why are you so short with me? What is wrong today? Why are you so irritated? Hey, why don't you come home for dinner? You know, I watched my kids outside play for a few years on the weekends while I worked. Watched them out a window. That was the thing that broke me in 2012. Went to this pastor retreat. They paid for it. Sent us up to a pastor retreat to get away because they said, you, 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 need, you need help. I was like, oh, I'm fine. I don't need help. I'm pastor of church. I'm helping people. Why do I need help? That's how messed up it was. Now, maybe you're not there. Maybe you're not. But I got a feeling there's probably some of you in this room right here. They probably need to hear what I'm about to tell you. So 2012, I'm sitting there. When we get there the first day, I slept half the day. Second day, half the day. I didn't even read a thing. I was exhausted. Not physically exhausted. Mentally and emotionally spent. All right? Do you know what the difference is? You can physically do things, but be mentally or emotionally spent, and you still won't be productive because your mind can't engage or be focused. I remember sitting halfway through the thing, and they asked me, because well, I wouldn't say a whole lot. You know, my wife's here. We were both up there at the same time. I remember getting so upset and just crying at the fact that I said, 
You know, I, I just sit there and watch my kids out the window and play. And I was going, why am I saying this? They're not even a counselor. Why am I saying this in front of people? I feel, this is so embarrassing. I thought, I'm losing it. What's going on? Why am I saying this? Because it was the reality that I was not willing to face as long as I was busy. But the moment I stepped back and took a pause, the truth started coming out. See, if you just keep running, 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 you never have a time to reflect on what's really going on in your life. The moment you stop, God can speak. That's why there's a Sabbath. We say we can't hear from God, but that's really not true. Maybe we're just too busy. It was after that, so we were up there for a week. You believe this? I scheduled, I can't even remember why. It's so goofy. They looked at me like I was nuts, which they should have, the people overseeing the trip. I scheduled a business meeting because it was in near where we were staying in Chicago. It was right up the street, a couple hours away, to drive in and hear something because we we're in the middle of planning for this remodel. And we were talking to some people up there. I scheduled a meeting to go do that while we were there. Now, don't look at me with a, such a, you know, super religious face. I guarantee you some of y'all done the same crazy thing, right? You've, you've tried to overextend yourself in ways that just were not productive. And that night, I remember going, we got to go into a, a worship service at a church there, and uh, Carrie Job was leading worship. And I remember thinking to myself, I, I mean, I could sense the Lord's presence so strong. And I thought, it wasn't because she was singing. It was because I was not engaged with work. And I remember telling Haley, I said, my goodness. We got through that week. I thought, well, I'm better. Everything's good. I'll go back to work. Everything will be great. No, it's not. Let me tell you how it is. It's like you, you hit a wall, and then what happens is, if you don't get a pattern established that's healthy, the next one comes sooner. And then the next one comes even sooner to the point where you are forced to make tough decisions. So in 2015, the elders gave me a sabbatical. It took, it was an eight-week sabbatical, listen to me. It took six and a half weeks before I felt normal. And I'm a pastor. You understand, like, I'm doing church work and Jesus work and praying with people. I'm doing good things for God. doesn't matter what you're doing. You can hit a wall in any field. It took six and a half weeks. Then, in 2016, we took another pastor's retreat. I'm telling you, I was messed up. I mean, I, I mean, I just, I could not, I was 45, 50 hours leading stuff going on in church and then trying to study 20, 25 hours for message prep for a message on Sunday to help people, preaching three times a week. That time we did two on Sunday, one on Wednesday. I, it was just exhausting mentally and emotionally. So we took another break, went up to Wednesday, took a pastor retreat there. And thank God for Wednesday. They, they took care of us, paid for the thing too. And that's where things begin to change. It was working. God was working the whole process, but a pastor told me about a book. And I feel like I need to say this. If you don't get through the rest of my message, I feel like this is a word for some of y'all in here. I don't know who it might be, but just listen close to what I'm saying. If you don't hear anything else I'm saying today, listen to this. There's a book. It's called Leading on Empty by Wayne Codero. If you feel like you are spent, go get that book. It's inexpensive. It's maybe 10, 15 bucks on Amazon. Read it. Okay? Some of you in here need to go and read that book pastor gave me this idea. He said, hey, you need to go read this book. And I thought, well, I mean, I felt good. I was at this retreat. I really felt like I was doing better. And he looked at me and says, you ought to go read this book. And I thought, I just took it as kind of a, a check, you know, okay. I went to go read the book. And I told Haley, I, don't under, I did not realize, but now I understand. Like this guy, this is me. And I didn't want to go down the spiral that he had been on. I wanted to make some real changes. 
the next month later, see how God works. God will help you. He'll align things and help you if we were willing to listen. He wants to help his kids. The next month, good friends of ours are missionaries. They do work in the Middle East, the Clarks, and I don't know if they're over here or not, but they're in and out sometimes because they travel. They gave me an email and said, hey, look, there's a ministry out in California, and they're scholarshipping right now. It's like 50%. You ought to go. I thought, after reading this book, I think I do need to go. Spent a week out in California putting everything back together in my life. And when I came back, um, my wife said this. She said, I feel like I got my husband back. Now, you might not do what I did. That's fine. I'm not preaching this to you today to be a legalistic message. I'm telling it to you from a guy who knows from experience the Sabbath was not made for you to be religious with. It was a gift for you to rest, to enjoy, to have fun. So let me ask you this question. Is the current pace of your life healthy? Is it possible that you're stressed, exhausted, sick because of your schedule? It's possible. So Stephen, we were traveling this weekend, and Pastor Stephen, we were in the airport, and he's singing a Michael Jackson song, which I thought was, you know, as total typical Stephen. But, I mean, he can sing anything. You know, he's just random stuff. And he's singing uh, The Man in the Mirror by Michael Jackson. You know, it could have been worse. He could have been singing something else. Who knows? But if you hear some of the verses in that song, it says this. It's time to make a change. It's time to make, 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 make that change. <laughs> Go back and listen to Michael Jackson's song. Look in the mirror and ask yourself, do you need to make a change? For the health of your life, your family, and, and your personal life. So let me leave this last thing with you here and I'll wrap up. Third thing it does, it provides refreshment. This is the part I wanted to share. I'm going to skip over a couple of verses, and, but I want you to hear this about why this is so important because it refreshes you. Like, I'm a different guy today, and every now and then I'll see, I can, I, now I can sense it when, I, when I'm overextending myself, and I'll back up and i say, no, I'm not, I'm not getting close to that again. When I overextend myself and schedule or responsibilities, whatever, I say, no, I can't do that right now. I'm sorry, I can't. And I've made people, some people mad because I just can't do, you just can't do everything. You just can't. Not and live and enjoy your life that God intended for you to do. So he wants to provide refreshment for you. So in Genesis 1:27, God said, I created human beings in my own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. And what did he do? He showed us an example of this. In my image, six days he created the world. And on the seventh day, he what? He rested. Now, here's an interesting word about this. I want you to, in Exodus 31, listen to what the, um, uh, the Lord says here. But as for you, Exodus 31, verse 13, he says, As for you, speak to the sons of Israel, saying, You shall surely observe my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you throughout all your generations, that you might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Therefore, you are to observe the Sabbath, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. Now listen, this is Old Testament. I understand that. We live in a grace. We're in the New Testament. Thank God. <laughs> you understand? Thank God. There's like four things you get killed for in the, in the Ten Commandments, right? Adultery, I think theft, right? The Sabbath. And you know what the other one is? Like honoring your parents. If you don't honor your parents, you die as a kid. You know what I'm saying? You may thank God you're like in the New Testament. You know what I'm saying? There's like some crazy stuff back then that you would deal with that you don't have to deal with now. 
But the reality is, is it not true that if you ignore this principle and work, 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 you're, not, you're putting yourself to death? Isn't it true? Isn't it true that if you have disobedient to your parents, if your kids were rebellious, isn't it true that eventually a rebellious child, eventually it causes death in their own life? Is it not true? may not be physical death, but it is a spiritual heartbreak with a family. Is it not true that if, you, if someone steals, it breaks people's heart, it causes destruction? Is it not true? Yeah. So don't take it as like, well, that's Old Testament unapplied. The word profane means one who desecrates, completely disavows, and has no regard for. That's what the word means. Everyone who desecrates or, or desecrates or has no regard for this, whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. For six days work may be done, but the seventh day there's a Sabbath of complete rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall surely be put to death. So the sons of Israel shall observe the Sabbath to celebrate the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. That means forever. And he says it right here, verse 17. It's a sign between me and the sons of Israel for, come on, let's say it together, for it did not go away in the Old Testament. This was a gift for us. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and earth, but on the seventh day he ceased from his labor. It means to seize. It means the same word we don't get into in depth here a whole lot, but if you look at end times, a lot of discussion about the word rapture. It's not in the Bible, but it means to seize. It means to be caught up. What this word means right here, it means he ceased from labor. He stopped what he was doing. And he was, what's this word right here? Say it out loud. It's what? refreshed. Now, let me ask you, could, is there anybody here that would just say, you know what? I've had all the refreshing I can take. I can't take anymore. I don't, anybody can say that. I mean, who doesn't want to be refreshed? I like to be refreshed. I mean, they even use it in slogans for soft drinks. Coca-Cola says, have a refreshing day or whatever. They, they all do this. Why? Because the word makes sense to us. We want to be refreshed. So when he had finally finished speaking with him about Mount Sinai, he gave Moses the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written by the finger of God. The word refresh is interesting here. It means to take a breath. So when you think about this, to take a breath, everybody take a deep breath for me. One, two, three. You just take all the oxygen out of the room. Now exhale. That's, yeah, some of y'all need to take another breath. Okay, let's do it one more time. One, two, three. Exhale. Now, we're going to one more time. Some of y'all are getting dizzy from it, okay? Count of three. One, two, three. Inhale. Exhale. Now, my watch tells me, stinking smartwatch has to tell me it's time to breathe. Why? Because we don't stop and do it. They've had to develop technology because we don't stop and just go, they have proven it releases stress. Do you realize if you stopped working, you actually would breathe in a little more? The interesting thing about being refreshed is this. Do you realize that God, how did he create the world? Think about this. He spoke the world into existence, didn't he? He created by speaking. He said, light be. He spoke, and the sun and the moon and the stars, they became he spoke. When you speak, what do you do? You breathe out. When you sing, you can only sing so long before you run out of air. You have to breathe in, take another note, don't you? 
It's no different speaking. God spoke. He gave out. He gave out. He gave out. Watch this. Six days. He gave out. He gave out. He gave out. On the seventh day, he said, so he could begin anew. It's no different than you and I. You need a break, man. You need a place to refresh. You need time to breathe in. And how many times you said this when guys are working out, man, football season's back in order. You see guys huffing on the sideline. They don't do it. If coach is watching, they're not going to do it. But if coach isn't looking, man, what are they doing? I got to catch my breath. Why? Because they've exhausted themselves. You are no different. You are no different. So how do I approach the Sabbath day? Let me just say a couple of things, and then I'm, I'm done with this right here. First of all, let me just say this. I'm going to read one scripture to you, and I'm going to close up with this thought. But Colossians 2.16 says, Don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or what you drink or for not celebrating any holy day or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. So some people will say, See, Pastor, don't judge me because I don't do Sabbath. That is not what that is talking about. Not even close. The Jewish people were trying to put restrictions on Gentiles who had no clue about Jewish culture. And they were saying, you're going to be judged if you don't. Now listen to me. This is not for salvation. Nobody's judging people for not taking a Sabbath. My point is this, though. It does cause harm if you don't. It's not a judgment thing. It's not going to heaven or hell thing. This is physically for your life. So listen to what Jesus said as we wrap up today, Luke 13. Y'all have heard, all of us have heard the story about if there's an ox in a ditch, get it out, even if it's on the Sabbath. You've heard that before, right? Come from Scripture. Jesus did, said that. you got an ox in a ditch, you get it out. Or they, they referenced it out of the, the, the Torah. But he says in Luke 13, verse 14, he says, But the leader in charge of the synagogue was indignant that Jesus had healed this woman on the Sabbath day. So he healed somebody. There are six days of the week for working, he said to the crowd. This guy, he's so religious. Come on these days to be healed and not on the Sabbath. What? Like, what a jerk. If somebody's sick, you don't wait. Like, oh, it's the Sabbath. We can't go to the emergency room. You got to wait, even though they've lost their leg. <sighs> I'm sorry, bad for you. You got to wait another day. That's ridiculous. If there's an emergency, you deal with it. You're not strict and religious about it, right? So the Lord replied, you hypocrites. <laughs> I love Jesus, don't you? Like, he's so straight to the point. Each of you work on the Sabbath day. Don't you untie your ox or your donkey from its stall on the Sabbath and lead it out for water? See, he's not religious with it. He's saying, you can't take a Sabbath and ignore your livestock. They need water. But they would say, that's work. That's ridiculous. You're going to let them die? That's, that's foolishness, right? So if you have an ox that falls in a ditch, you deal with it. Sometimes it happens in seasons, doesn't it? You just, things happen, you got to deal with it. But if it happens every week and you get no time off, it's no longer an emergency. It's a pattern. This week, it was interesting. This week, I had this message planned for a long time, but we were in a meeting with uh, Pastor Robert at Gateway. So he's talking to us as pastors, and, and he actually talked about this very issue. And I just thought, man, I guess I need to hear this again, you know, just to be reminded of this. He said something, and I, I just wrote it down. I thought it was so good. I wanted you all to hear it too. But this is what he said. He said, if your ox falls in a ditch every day, it's not an emergency. You're a bad steward. Man, that hit me like, you, ever somebody said something to you like going, dude, that was, that's, that's real. Like that's, that one got me. I thought, wait a minute. Well, that's true. If I say an ox is falling in my ditch every day, I can't, I gotta be, I gotta do, I gotta, every day. It's no longer an emergency. I'm just a bad steward. 
You can steward your time just like you steward your money. Now let that one sink in just for a minute. And we're going to wrap up with this here. What have I learned about the Sabbath? I'll just give you a couple of statements, okay? And I'm going to, it's actually, if you worship me, you guys want to come up, you can. But let's look at this first thing. First thing, a couple of things I've learned about the Sabbath. And the first thing is this, okay? You guys going to put up the first one? They can see it. So not everybody's Sabbath is going to be on Sunday. In our culture and economy and the way things work here, again, God, it's the principle of it. It's not a legalistic thing. We're not going from sundown to sunup, right, on Friday and starting on Saturday and all this. Not everybody's Sunday or not everybody's Sabbath is going to be a Sunday. We have people that are in professional medical fields, law enforcement, people that work military, people that work jobs that require somebody's got to be on duty, you know. Where I worked before, we were on call every like sixth week or something like that. That means on Sunday, sometimes you got called in, right? And I would tell people, like, I'll come fix your stuff for you, but you got to pay overtime. Like, if I come do it, it's going to cost you. You want to wait till the morning? Some people say yes. Some people say no, come fix it now. Okay. You got to have people, you can't just ignore things in life. Not everybody is on Sunday. Some people may be, a, I don't have a Sabbath on Sunday. I take a holy nap on Sunday. But it's not a Sabbath. It's important that you figure out what day, what day is yours, man. You know, get yourself a break. It's not legalistic. It's a gift to you. It's, everybody say it's a gift. Please don't hear legalism today. It's a gift. This one was a tough one to hear. It's a stewardship issue. It's not a I'm too busy issue. Ouch. A stewardship issue. It will refresh you. It will give you peace. And it will give you focus for the new week. I'm a better guy. Listen to me. My wife will tell you this. I am better for figuring out this principle and learning from God and adapting this in my life than I was five, six years ago. I am better. I don't run near as hard as I used to. Doesn't mean I don't work hard. This means I have tried to figure out this pace of life that is healthy. And listen to this last thing. God designs it for relationship with him, not religion. So I'm praying today that you hear my heart as the pastor. If you, if you attend here, if this is your church, as your pastor, I pray that you hear me today. I am not being legalistic. This is principle. This is not a legalism teaching. God has given us a gift. And we can all be more energized and creative and be refreshed if we just took a day and said, you know what, God, I trust you. I don't know how I'm going to make all this work, but God, help me figure this out so I can be refreshed again. The pace of this world is out of control, guys. And they're asking us to just adapt to their ways. And last time I read, we're not supposed to be conformed to this world, but we're supposed to be renewed by the renewing of our minds, transformed by the renewing of our minds, according to what God says, not the world. The world's running 24-7, but based on what God says, we're not supposed to. We're supposed to figure out how to have a pace that's healthy. So I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads just for a moment. Man, you're here today, and listen, I want to pray for you. No one's looking right now. That's all eyes are closed, and I'm not praying for salvations right now. I'm praying for you. If you're here right now and you say, hey, pastor, that's me. 
I need to be refreshed. I got emails every day. I got demands on my life every day. I just don't know how to do it. I, I need God's help to show me how do I develop a healthy pace. Not legalistic, but healthy pace. If that's you, no one's looking right now. I want to pray for you. Would you simply, lift, before the Lord, lift your hand up and say, that's me, Pastor Jody. Come on, let, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's what I thought. Man, come on, listen. Let's just, it's an atmosphere of worship right here, just right now. Let me pray for you. Dear Jesus, Lord, you said, and I've tried my best to articulate the words you've given me today, God. I pray right now. God, Holy Spirit, you take the words right now and you just speak to hearts. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, for those who just raise their hands. God, the schedules that are out of control, they feel like they can't fix it. It's, it's just too much work. It's too hectic. I pray you'd speak to them this week. Show them how. God, help them today, Lord, so that they don't hit a wall, so they don't crash and burn. I pray in the name of Jesus, speak to them in the nighttime. Give them wisdom. Give them understanding. Like only you can do, Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Creative ideas. In Jesus' name. We hope you were blessed by today's message. If so, feel free to pay it forward and share this podcast with someone else. Thanks for listening.